in the darkest corners of the podcast dungeon, you have come across another goddamn horror podcast. With Graham Faye, Jonas Barnes, and Ryan. Welcome to another episode of another goddamn horror podcast, my friends. My name is Jonas Barnes. I am one of your hosts over here in beautiful Bushwick, Brooklyn. Uh, It is grotesque outside today, so I'm not doing shit. I am staying indoors. I am not even attempting to venture outside. So I am fully within my house all day long today. Uh, I think the only thing to get me out of the door today would be the apartment catching on fire. Uh, but aside from that, I'm I'm staying all the way in. So over here in Bushwick, uh, Brooklyn. And we have one of our other esteemed co-hosts over here on the other side of Brooklyn, Graham Fay. How you doing, Graham? I'm all right. Um, it's, yeah, it's gross out and hot. And uh, I went to one place. I went to Dunkin' Donuts this morning real quick. Um, and it was like 11, maybe, a.m. And, uh, like, it's two blocks away. Nice, quiet two blocks. And uh, there was a fight in the middle of the street. Two women, no no reason. I think the heat, like one of them was just coming out of Dunkin' Donuts with their stuff, and the other lady came running across the street, brawl. So that was like inside. I'm going to be honest. The only time I don't want to see a fight is like if I'm at work and I have to deal with it. Any other time though, if there's like fights going on outside, I'm 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 here for it. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like like I don't like everybody thinks it's so terrible but I'm sorry I'm I'm, I'm pro fist fight like just you're gonna just, dude you're gonna fucking love New York when you come and yeah I mean just, just, we do just, that like that's just, our shit we we fist fight in the streets it's beautiful yeah it's it's a it's a it's a lost art you know what I mean like uh you hey, know, I'll I punch one of you in the face right now how about that we'll just <laughs> Um, oh man and then ryan over there in portland which you guys you guys don't really do a lot of fist fighting you just burn buildings to the ground when you're unhappy oh yeah we we won't beat uh, like we're like it's like so passive aggressive here that we just like burn them all to the ground rather than <laughs> deal with them that's like that's that's a it's a it's, it's really great really i mean it's it's actually like uh if you're if you're into the humans as is do portland's great for that kind of shit but um yeah it's hot here too but yeah but uh, you know what? I'm done talking about the heat because the more I talk about it, the hotter I am. So, but guess what? It's fucking hot here, and it's going to be hot here <laughs> till the end of time. And um, um, and I'm just kind of tired of dealing with it, to be honest with you. Like it's, it's just, fair, it's just hot. Totally fair. We have a fantastic guest here today. Uh, one of my favorite people. I've actually known this guest for uh, quite a while since I've lived in New York. Um, he is the host and the creator of the SDR show. Uh, Ralph Sutton, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, guys. And Graham, it looks like we interrupted you writing your manifesto. So I thank you for taking time out. To... <laughs> oh, no, that's, no, it was just a fun day out. I think they were fighting just because they walked out. They were like, fuck, I just got Dunkin' Donuts. This is bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's the heat. But yeah. So, well, honestly, Ralph, thank you for having me, guys. Thanks for bringing me on. Thank you. Definitely, man. Super happy to have you on. Tell us, uh, tell the listeners a little bit about you. I know, I know, I said the SDR show part, but yeah, tell us a little bit about sure. you. What you do? Well, uh, I did radio for 18 years. Had a show on that was on about 100 stations. That I ended about four years ago, and about six years ago, I started the SDR show podcast, which stands for Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll Show. I do it with 
comedian Big J Okerson, and we've had so many ridiculous guests on. It's amazing to me sometimes when I think about like Mark Cuban was on and Neil deGrasse Tyson was on and Disturbed and Megadeth and Anthrax and you know, I mean, Ronnie James, I mean, sorry, um, Rob Halford, and just so many great people have been on the show. Uh, it's been wild. And then about four or five years ago, started the Gas Digital Network, which has about 20 shows on the network. We have studios in New York City, and it's a unique business model, and we do it. Uh, me and Luis J. Gomez uh, own that company together. And then about a year ago, I started a health and wellness podcast in the highlight of the pandemic when I had gained about 60 pounds and decided it was time to make you know a change and started chronologically following my change with the founder of a company here in new york city called juice press they have about uh, 90 locations in new york and him and i together just started doing a show every week called good sugar and we're opening up a good sugar restaurant sometime soon i put out this book i'm going to hold up here earlier this year called uh the 100 guaranteed guide to weight loss and fitness which literally has a uh, Two pages. One page says eat less. The second page says work out more. And the rest of it is blank. It hit uh, top 100 in Amazon uh, over December of last year, which I'm very proud of. And uh, that's about it. That's beautiful, man. See, this is I'm, I'm this is one of the reasons I was happy to have you on the show because I know, like with us, we try to get guests from all over the spectrum of entertainment, whether it's people that are in horror or people that just enjoy horror, musicians, filmmakers. Uh, we're venturing out into the adult entertainment industry, which I know you have had many guests on your show yeah. uh, from that industry. Like we're just, we love to have different people from different walks of life and walks of entertainment. And you've had your hands in so many sugar bowls of the entertainment industry. So I was super happy. Let me to ask have you, you have you had, um, have you had Zach on? No, that's funny. We actually, so with Zach, we're going to have him on probably right before the festival. Um, mm -hmm coming up in September because he's doing the festival, doing the midnight spook show. Yeah. I mean, he's um, so prime for you guys. He also works at trauma. And I mean, he's like, he's the guy, he's yeah. a, the horror aficionado of gas digital. Yeah. We fucking love Zach. Yeah. We love Zach to death. Um, no, he's one of my favorite people and we're for sure going to have him on, uh, like I said, probably closer to the festival time. Uh, and I've done midnight spook show twice. That's Such cool. a I, did it, show. I did it once watching, uh, Glenn Danzig's horror film, which was a train yes. wreck. <laughs> Veronica, Veronica, yeah. yeah we talk, we, yeah, we talk about it a lot. It's uh, it's uh, one of those that uh, is is sure to live on, um, yeah. just to, just because of uh, of what it was. There's just I think nothing... it's a great example of what happens when you surround yourself with yes men. When people are just going <laughs> to yeah. agree with you no matter what, it's a yes. perfect example of that. That's what happens. You know, it's it's funny because like we love Glenn on the show. We love Danzig very much. We had Zandora LeVay on here talking about him. And that movie is like, it's the room of horror for sure. Like, <laughs> and you know, it's going to be one of those movies that lives on forever and people are going to do midnight showings for till the dawn of time i have no idea what they're going to throw at the screen but that movie is yeah fucking danzig man he one of my friends worked on the set of that show or the set of that movie and i think it was less a thing of yes man and more of a thing of just danzig being like no this is what i fucking said it's gonna be and this is what it's gonna be and they were just like all right dude it's your movie like have fun like three crews from the set yeah yeah <laughs> He just kept firing whoever said no. That's crazy. <laughs> I, I got to interview him a couple of times on my old radio show. And I think in comic books and music, he nailed it. But yeah. this is just not, you know, wasn't it the right outing? He should, you know, sometimes they, I forget. I had it. Um, 
some billionaire dude once I interviewed and he said the day that his life changed was when he realized to put people that knew more than him in certain positions. And that's when he was able to start changing his life financially. And I think that that was a perfect example of, dude, just put some people in there that know what they're doing. Yeah. I like, you know, I actually like the fact that it was as shitty as it was because now I can watch it and enjoy it for what it is because there's so many things like when in the first story of that movie, when the chick's nipples cry and oh, turn, yeah. turns the spider into a spider man like thing. <laughs> but when he's wearing the suit, like there's a part in near the end of that story where you can see just a giant hole in the bottom of the suit where it's clearly broken and like not even sealed. <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, fuck it. We're just going to keep it on there. Like, just yeah, we do don't that. Have, we don't have a budget for a new suit, so just go with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no editing, no nothing. We're just, you know, we're gonna do that. We're, it's, he's very warm in there. We're gonna let it go ahead and air him out a little bit. It'll be fine. It'll be no big deal. It's funny that you're better than me because I blocked most of that movie out of my head after seeing it once. I don't, I couldn't recall <laughs> anything from that movie. Man, we were uh, we were talking about that a few episodes ago. Like, there's Xbox on there is on the second story in that movie. Um, the bad guy from Karate Kid 3, not the sensei, but the dickhead dude that Daniel fights. Is yeah, he's in supposed the to make story. an appearance in the new um, uh, Cobra Kai. He's supposed to be in yeah. Cobra Kai, which yeah. I'm excited yeah. about. Yeah, that, absolutely. The trailer for that just dropped too. Ryan, yeah, Graham, have you guys seen the trailer? Yep, it's great. Uh, yeah, super into it. Yeah, I'm super um, into it too. They, re they, really also, they really nailed Cobra Kai. They, they really, really did. did. That shows you you can do fun television to the 80s nod and make it make sense and be relatable to everybody because I don't even think you need to know Cobra Kai or the early movies to enjoy it. But then if you do, you really enjoy it. That's what they really nailed it. It was self-reflective yeah. enough. You know what I mean? Like they, they took what we all kind of have been talking about in, yeah. in the Karate Kid all these years and then they made it. So like there is the confusion of like, who's the real bad guy and all yeah. that. They kind of took it's all in, uh, it's a nod to that. And that is that is just smart. It's not trying to do like well, like it's like the gritty reboot of Point Break. Nobody right. wanted right. that. Right. Right. It's not you know I mean? the same notes, too. That's yeah. the biggest problem. They try to recreate notes whenever they return yeah. to something. You yeah. can't. I mean, the go like the Ghostbusters female reboot is a great example of that. They just really forced that out, and it was just awful. But this is somebody that really loved the original, but figured out a way to modernize it and make it relatable to any age group. It's it's so good. Like I, it's one of the few shows that I was looking forward to every time it was the season was coming out. And the other thing about it is that I think also that you have to know when the time is up on the show. Because, like, Stranger Things is going too long now. Like, Stranger Things was a great show for the first season, pretty solid show for the second season. The third season was, like, okay at best. And they're, like, they're hit, hitting a fourth season. You don't agree, Graham? You think, you no. think I'm wrong? No. I think three was awesome. No, I think it's, I think it's worn out. I think I, it's I, getting worn out. The I, I only like show that held me for the entire run, it's not a horror show, but uh, Breaking Bad held me. From For episode sure. one till the end of it, I I'm every week watched it as it was happening and then called my friends afterwards to talk about it. Right. For sure. It's a perfectly yeah. real show. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I, I had watched a couple, like a season and a half of Better Call Saul, and um, had, had had liked it, but just like couldn't couldn't. Like, I never actually did. You see the movie? I didn't watch the movie. They did no. a movie. I didn't watch that. I didn't hear anything positive or negative. Nobody I know watched it, so I don't even know if it was good. Um, 
but I just went after Odenkirk's situation and I mean, being just like a, I mean, he's just such a tremendous talent and just, uh, and then he was recently, he was in a recent, uh, skit from, uh, I think he should leave. And he was so yeah. good in that. And I was like, you know and what? Nobody I, was great. Also. Exactly. Yep. Um, yeah. What? And then, so I revisited better call Saul and I actually, you know what? I almost might like it better than breaking bad. Like it is actually like, it's a really solid storyline through and through and, Michael McKeon does a great job, and uh, and Odenkirk is just, uh, I mean, he's just, uh, he owns that. He's On a completely, but you, br- you brought him up, so it's not that completely unrelated. I did a deep dive on Lenny and Squiggy, which you <laughs> might be too young for who they are, but they were from Laverne oh, yeah, and Shirley, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Michael McKeon. And what I did not realize, the first appearance of Lenny and Squiggy was performing music. They did songs. That's how they started on Laverne and Shirley. And those songs got so popular that they ended up on American Bandstand performing as Lenny and Squiggy. And they introduced the band. And the band is in character, the Spinal Tap band, and the movie hadn't come out yet. They were working on Christopher Guest is in the band as Nigel Tufnell, but he's just a member of the Lenny and Squiggy band. And they just hadn't actually created Spinal Tap yet, which is fascinating to me. That's awesome. amazing. Yeah, that it's really that's uh, that is like a, a full circle. Like we can just quit quit Hollywood now. That's yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. all we need. I did, for some reason I, there was a song called "Night After Night" by Lenny and Squiggy that I, someone had shared me again. I haven't heard it in thirty years. And then I, there was this podcast that did they do a thirty minute uh, review of weird albums, and that was one of them. And I learned all these things. I was like, oh my god, that's so cool! Like, who knew that Michael McKeon wrote songs? continually throughout his career where he became like hit making writer for like movies and shit. It's, he's a fascinating talent as well. Yeah. I, uh, I, it would be awesome to interview him because I mean, like he's, he's kind of understated in, I mean, like I, nobody's walking around right now going, Hey, M- Michael McKeon's amazing. But like, he's yeah. just a well, I actually circle. tried to get him after I watched it, I tried to get him. We didn't get an answer, but uh, I tried, I tried. <laughs> okay. I say we bet about one out of every hundred guests I go after. <laughs> You know what? I've reached out to a bunch of them too, like a bunch of people for the show. And it's kind of funny. Like I didn't know until I really started reaching out and trying to book guests and stuff, especially in the music world. I didn't know how nice PR people were mm-hmm. like when they get back to you. Cause like, even if they're telling you to fuck off, they're not doing it in a rude way in any way, shape or form. Like I've had multiple rejections and all of them are very much like, regrettably, we're not going to be able to do that this time, but thanks for reaching out. I'm like, Jesus, like I didn't, I'm in New York. I don't expect anybody to be that nice. I've also, <laughs> by the way, I've gotten many guests on the fifth try. You know what I mean? Like they've said no over and over again. And then finally, it's like, all right, we're going to put you on so you can shut the fuck up already and just get this. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, I think one, probably my favorite rejection that I got uh, that I reached out to, um, which I think we'll be able to get him later on because I think it's just a scheduling thing. But it was Clint Howard because I reached That's out cool. to Clint Howard and his whole like the email back from them was just the sweetest, like just the nicest. They're like, oh, we're so happy that you guys are fans of his work and he would love to do the show but he's just tied up with press right now and he's not going to be able to it was just the sweetest it's like dude you were the ice cream man like you carried people's heads in ice cream cones like that was you're so sweet (laughs) so cool so ralph you um obviously sex drugs and rock and roll you've been in the rock in the rock world for a long ass time one of the reasons i wanted to bring you on was to talk about horror influence in uh in a lot of classic rock stuff um with me, I grew up on like, I grew up on Alice Cooper. Like right. I grew up, you know, Welcome to My Nightmare and stuff like that. 
Um, can you think of any, like, any bands or anything, like, especially classic ones that really stand out in your mind as, well, like, I a mean, true, true just horror Just because we literally just had him on the show, um, Alice Cooper, for sure. Like, he just did SDR, like, a month ago or two months ago. And he is the, you know, probably the first to really bridge that gap of, of or bridge that divide of horror to, to, to rock and roll that so many others followed that it's hard not to make that comparison to anybody be it Marilyn Manson, be it uh, Wednesday 13 or, or the Murder Dolls or all these bands that brought in horror to their to their vibe, you're always going to lead it back. To, all, all roads back lead back to Alice Cooper, if that makes any sense. No, for sure. Like, what do you think? Do you think Sabbath would be considered like the horror, a horror influence, horror you know, influential I mean, thing or? It's a good question. I feel that all early metal they knew and all early rock and roll, they knew that it was dangerous to talk about the devil, to talk about any sort of uh, sacrificing or whatever. And it's funny nowadays that that was considered taboo. Like, oh my God, these guys are so scary. They're talking about, you know, uh, demonic stuff. And in fact, we just had um, the band Weedus was on SDR last week, right? They wrote that song, oh, Teenage, Teenage Dirtbag, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And that song was written about the satanic panic that happened in the early 80s in New York where they thought listening to Iron Maiden and ACDC and Judas Priest and Black Sabbath made kids want to go kill people because the guy that murdered kids in upstate New York or Long Island, New York was wearing an ACDC t-shirt. And so that's when they thought it stood for something demonic, devil's children or something like that. Like, I forget what it is. It was like all cry for devil's children i forgot what the acdc they made it up that's what they thought it meant so then it became almost uh that's where the term came from they, they said you were a teenage dirtbag if you listened to iron maiden or acdc and he's like i'm not a fucking dirtbag I, I listen to acdc you know and that's how we got the the idea behind the song i dude you that i had no idea like i had no idea about that i really dig that song too yeah, it's a good song. <laughs> well, he did it live on SDR. He performed the live acoustic, and he could not have been cooler. Like, he was just a super, his name's Brendan, the singer who wrote that song. Crazy side story. Sorry to go off the rails here, but. No, no, do it. Sony Please. Music lost the masters. They forgot to digitize his masters, so he was no longer able to make money in licensing to put the tracks anywhere. So 20 years later, last year, they re-recorded the album and you cannot tell the difference. You listen to it, it sounds exactly like the original album, so now it's gonna start appearing again in movies and shit. Cool. Dude, wow. That's awesome. Like, that's a, yeah. that's a, that's a tough, that's a, like, okay, remember that day? How did we get into yeah. the vibe? Like, How do we get this sound? How do we get this drum? How do we get this little synthesizer There's noise? so many variables in recording, right. too. And the, like, voice and the guitar, like, aging. Like anything will yeah. change. It's That's amazing. I, mean, I would say even you could listen if you go to uh, it's on my Instagram, but it's on the you know the the newest that episode is out now everywhere uh, for the SDR show. He performs live about forty minutes in, and it sounds. I mean, his voice sounds incredible. It's wild. That's awesome. Um, the the reason I brought up like Sabbath and stuff is because I think like with Sabbath, so Alice Cooper was like the theatrical horror stuff. You know, like I remember, uh, like with his live performance and stuff, he was decapitating people on stage and shit like that. Right. 
but like part of metal, you know, especially with the earlier stuff like Sabbath and things like that, that's where, that's why I was curious about it. Cause I don't think that was necessarily a horror influence as much as it was just like you were saying, like, it's kind of that thing where they knew it was edgy they knew it was going to push limits and stuff yeah. like that. But then it started to transition into the stuff like, you know, with Alice Cooper, with also like, even considering like Iron Maiden stuff like yeah. that, I would consider that more horror. And the misfits, obviously, you know, we talked about Glenn Danzig before, obviously, you know, but I think that like, even to this day, like Slayer will tell you, I've I've interviewed those guys a bunch of times. They're think it's hilarious that people take their music so seriously. Like they're not at all like demonic, you know, but they would write these crazy lyrics like dead skin mask and whatnot, but, or, or, or raining blood. And to them, it's just songs. They're, they're fun songs that, but they don't believe in any of that shit. They're all like nice family guys. It's just, they, they think when they see people sketch it, like, tat, you know, great engraving the Slayer logo in their arms, they're like, what the fuck are these guys doing? It's, it's funny. <laughs> Isn't one of them like religious, like Christian? I think Tom got a little more. They all, so it's funny is that you see this happen over and over again. The older you get, for some reason, the more conservative you get. Like it just happened with, uh, I'm friendly with uh, David Ellison, who just got kicked out of Megadeth. We're doing, in my opinion, nothing wrong. Masturbating with a girl who was of legal age on camera. The dumb thing he did was they taped it. That's the stupid part where he fucked up, but he got kicked out of Megadeth because of that, because Dave Mustaine is super religious now and thinks it's a bad image for the band. Just that he can't, <laughs> he can't masturbate with a consenting I think uh, he's, he might have been married. Like, I don't even know if he's married or dating. Who the fuck knows? But it's, you think Dave Mustaine never cheated on anybody in the last 30 years? I would guarantee you that that happened at least once. And I, I, like, I think, you know, I think there was a time period where people sort of like, like proper metalheads, quote unquote, like sort of rooted for Mustaine and the, and the Metallica Megadeth right. battle. Um, I think as it's ended up, you just kind of realize that uh, Mustaine is just an asshole. You know yeah, what I, mean? I interviewed him a couple of yeah. times too. He was actually nice to me, but you could see he has that assholeness in him, you yes, know, for yeah. sure. Right. You know, just, and it, it is what <laughs> it is. I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. He, he just like, like where anthrax are like, seem like to be the, like the nicest guys in the world. Like you just feel like, like anthrax could just come hang out and just be cool. Like, I feel like if Mustaine showed up, it would be like work to be. Yeah, it's like uh, the buzzkill that shows up at the party for sure. But, uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, but this is right. They do write some great songs, I'll tell oh, you that. For, oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Megadeth to this day, I mean, like, I still, I'm, unfortunately, for better or worse, I am a Metallica loyalist for the rest of my life. I always have been. And they, Megadeth has always been, like, the one that, like, a lot of people are like, oh, if you're a fan of Metallica, you can't fuck with Megadeth and, like, vice versa, just because they had their whole shit when they, you know, when they first started. But to this day, I'll still listen to Megadeth through and through. Like, they're still one of my favorite metal bands of that era. Right. I mean, they, they're just, they're amazing. Especially uh, some of the newer bands that brought horror. Obviously, Guar would be a great example. Hell yeah. Uh, Lordy, <laughs> if you never got into Lordy, Lordy had some great music. They were really fucking cool. Um, yeah. There's that new one that does uh, like, a cir- like a circusy kind of go- horror vibe called um, Avatar. That's really great if you've oh, never yeah. heard them. Uh, there's a lot of them that, that keep that vibe alive, but it's funny when you even look like early Motley Crue with pentagrams and stuff, it seems so, ooh, scary, but now it looks funny. You know, you don't, you don't it doesn't, it, every generation has to do one thing further to shock people because we've seen it all before, you know? 
Oh, the, right. the, the gatefold on Shout of the Devil is such a classic because you open it up and they're all <laughs> and at the time the world was terrified. Yeah. But now you look at it and it's just like they they, they clearly went to like Victoria's Secrets beforehand and have like, I was you know, scared like, of <laughs> Twisted Sister when I watched that first video. I was like, oh, my God, who are these guys? <laughs> you, know, like, you get older, you're like, oh my god, look at these guys. They look ridiculous, but it's just funny. It just seems so dangerous when I was 12. No, for sure. I uh, I remember when Twisted when that album came out, and I was in elementary school, and uh, and people had like a Twisted Sister, and you were like, oh my god, they have a song called "Burn in Hell." Yeah, you know what I mean. And uh, <laughs> now all you got to do is go read some Cannibal Corpse lyrics, um, and you're like, wow, yeah, "Burn in Hell." I mean, "Burn in Hell." That's the song they're singing when they're in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. That's how that. That's where. That's where that ended up. <laughs> the change of metal. The change of metal is so funny too, because it's like people who would freak out about Twisted Sister. Now you can be like, I mean, yeah, that's cool. Have you heard Anal Cunt? They're great. <laughs> <laughs> we had uh, Rory Culkin on uh, last year because he was in the Lords of Chaos movie a couple of years oh, yes. ago. Right. That those guys took it way too seriously, which is pretty oh, nuts. Yeah. Like. You know, if you don't know, one of their album covers is the actual dead guitarist or dead singer because mm -hmm. they came over and saw the picture. It's, oh, this looks like a cool album cover and made that the album cover of their album, which yeah. is nuts. Yeah, they, uh, that, they, they, they um, are not posers. I will just put that into, <laughs> into like, like, they're like, I'm going to burn some churches. We're like kind of Nazis. We, uh, they, one of them murdered a dude in the park. I, yeah. I mean, like, they were like, well, no, one of them not. got out of jail recently. He's like super racist and super yeah. offensive. But Varg. his music is still kind of good. I got to be honest. The music is pretty good. <laughs> Vargas yeah. or something, right? Is that right? Yeah, Vargas? Yeah. Varg, uh, Varg, uh, uh, yeah. He, uh, um, uh, Burzum. Burzum is a, um, is a, a, a constant, um, um, in the metal world, a constant, uh, like thing, like a Burzum shirt's a very, uh, it's a thing. It's like a complicated conversation where people <laughs> like the music, but we, they know he's just a terrible person. And, uh, cause he, he really is truly in his heart of hearts, a terrible person. And um, and by the way, that's a big problem. I think that the younger generation has that I don't have a problem with separating the art from the artist, you know, understanding that R Kelly is a pedophile, but had some catchy R and B songs, <laughs> you know, you can accept both. And I think that some people can't do that. And I, I don't know why you can't accept that because if you go back in time, every so many great artists, you find out were garbage human beings. It doesn't mean that doesn't take away from their creations. I think Spring, yeah, Springsteen, I though, Springsteen. Across the board, a good dude from beginning to end. Never a bad word about Springsteen. Nothing. I've never heard. I heard he hates the Jews. I'm just starting <laughs> that out right now. You I, uh... know, it's, it's funny with Springsteen. The only thing I've ever heard negative about him is the fact that everything that he sings about is a complete fucking like farce compared to his real life. Right. Like he's he's never been this blue collar dude that he sings about and everything like that. Like you know, man of the people, like that type of thing. Uh, okay. Also, like fucking tickets are like what one hundred and fifty dollars a piece for people that are supposed to be the working folk listening to Bruce Springsteen. Okay, you know what? Okay, here's the deal. All right, um, um, uh, like no singer. Very singers are the storytellers of the generation. Um, there, there are like two rappers. As a hip hop guy, there are like two rappers who have actually done the shit that they have said that they've done. 
there's it is very very seldom but they are the voice like back in the old days like in jamaica when the fight started they told the djs to leave like that was the deal like they were the storytellers of the streets but the streets weren't weren't in it so so springsteen is just a rep of those people and he is from jersey let's get real He's but he does have the number one misunderstood song of all time the amount of or, time people think born in the usa is a positive song and it's not <laughs> right. you know it's hilarious <laughs> It's like really all you have to do is like listen to the lyrics. Like it's like it's that simple. It's like but they play it at every rally and every every game, and it's like you know, guys, this is he's poking fun at this. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) I would say I I would say Yankee Doodle Dandy is the most misunderstood song of all time because it is sung as a patriotic song, but it was initially a song making fun of America. I saw a list of like twenty songs that were, and I don't remember any of the others, but those those two <laughs> yes. but that people think are positive and are negative or they don't understand the message behind the song or something like that which is kind of funny yeah that we uh that we rode ponies that's what they that's what the british soldiers said about it that we rode <laughs> ponies and that we put a feather in our hat and macaroni was this huge like like uh like cool thing in france that we all thought we were anyway i learned uh, recently i didn't know this until this year that our national anthem had other verses in it that were super racist (laughs) and it took over a year to get it accepted as our national anthem because they wouldn't do it until you took out those super like pro-slavery very racist passages had to come out before we put in it into our system which i never knew if if anything we're consistent you know i mean (laughs) consistently fucked up about i'll tell you who would love that original version vargas he would love it yeah (laughs) probably i feel like there had there had to be like a meeting room where they were like listening to the song and then the other lyrics came in and they were like jesus christ (laughs) why like that's been there the whole time fuck really wild it's really wild um have you ever seen the uh have you ever seen the d snyder horror film ralph uh, the one where he plays uh, Captain How- Howdy, is that right? Yeah, Strangeland. Yeah. Strangeland, I did see that. And it always worked. Did he do a second one? No, he wanted to, but they yeah, never... He was going to do it. It never happened. I know, because we talked about it a lot. I know, I know D pretty well. We've been friends for years. And um, I, I love that movie. And I loved. I thought it was great. And he looked so menacing and so great. And talk about a guy that I think he's 65 now or something like that. And yeah. still looks and sounds incredible. Brilliant guy. All the guys at Twist. I was really sad when the drummer passed. He was a good guy. But um, those are some smart, cool, talented dudes for sure. He's hysterical. He was on that uh, the horror sitcom, Holliston. Yeah, and he did morning radio for years, too. He had a, a podcast on my network for a season. And just a super I, I named his podcast, which was uh, I Want to Talk. thought it was damn funny. <laughs> <laughs> No, I love that movie, and I think it's like it's one of the more underappreciated uh, horror movies. I think that came out mm-hmm. during that era, and especially like, dude, D. Snyder, he fucking kills it in that movie, like as the as the villain. Yeah, I, he was great. I, he looked menacing, very menacing, super menacing, and I didn't know what to expect on it when I first saw the. That was one of those movies I think that I saw like just the the cover of, and mm-hmm. then I saw his name attached to it, and I was like, well, of course I'm going to give this a chance, you know, like if it's you know D. Snyder starring in it, of course I am, and then I saw it and I was super surprised. Like I just I had no idea what to expect from him, and it's also funny that you brought up Lordy because Lordy, I saw them at Ozfest. It was probably like the third Ozfest that I went to. Mm-hmm. And I saw them, Ozfest fucked up because they put them on during the day, 
which was oh, like it's always funny like, when you see bands like that during the day sweating in their outfits love it yeah yeah like what like what are you doing like they have not... torches and shit like, yeah. <laughs> love that i remember avatar is another one does not work well during the day ghost doesn't work well during the day manson it's hilarious to see you guys there were these guys years ago i can't remember their name but their shtick was suits with like uh contacts that made their devil eyes look things and, and like horns and they were open playing a festival in georgia and they everything was falling off by the end of the set it looked hilarious it sounds like mud vein it wasn't mud vein i forget who it was okay. though but it was something like that but they're it's just so great that uh you know people don't think oh we're it's going to be 90 degrees and we're going to be on stage in fact to go back to twisted um oh my god i have to uh, before i say this i'm going to be upset hold on a second so this is it's the sad that i forgot his name okay uh, aj Perrow, the drummer of twisted sisters sorry i forgot his name for a second um oh, sorry. Yeah. he passed sorry. away uh, about five six years ago and he told me a story once where they were playing a festival and the drum kit was sitting out in the sun the whole uh the whole day and he hadn't thought about it and he did the opening thing which was like two hits on the snare and then one hit on the cymbal and grab it and his entire set of fingerprints got seared off from the symbol because it was like shit. 200 degrees and he yeah. ripped his fingertips off and he had to play the whole time with his fingers bleeding holy shit. jesus <laughs> talk about dedication to the song though jesus christ yeah, yeah. <laughs> um the first Ozfest i ever went to uh i saw slipknot closing out the second stage which is mm -hmm. always like the daytime tiny stage type of thing and it was the first time i'd ever seen slipknot they were not fully within like their stuff and everything that they do now um, but they still kicked ass there but what was funny about that stage is that i saw behemoth at like 2 p.m and it was just like walked <laughs> out in their like full norwegian black metal garb on this stage that honestly could be at any brooklyn concert venue in you know at all just this tiny stage and they're these hulking just gigantic dudes covered in all this like black leather all the paint and everything like that and it's like time yeah. for church you know like and everybody's just what the fuck is going on here um but lord lordy did their all they did a full horror movie they actually yeah, did no, an they, entire they were film. i forget where they're from i think it's either sweden or denmark one of the uh scandinavian countries but they were at one point because they won Eurovision and they just had like back-to-back -back hits. They were so popular, they had a credit card. There was the Lordy credit card in whatever Scandinavian country they were because they were that popular. It's crazy how big they were. They had their own credit card? Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah so nuts. The horror, movie, the horror movie they did was actually, a movie. it was an interesting movie. It's weird. I've seen their career. I've followed their career quite a bit because when I first saw them, that's what got me hooked. I saw them, you know, on stage at the show. And I was like, oh, this is cool. They're in like the full monster suits and everything. So I checked them out and like really started following what they were doing. Their horror film is this really cool thing where it's like, have you ever seen The Raid? No. Okay. So The Raid is an uh, action film that like, the people that are coming into this giant building, like this bunker warehouse, whatever you want to call it, have to go through all the different floors to get to the top of it. Mm -hmm. Like Donkey Kong. Yeah, like Donkey Kong, yeah. Except <laughs> full of uh, Koreans that beat the shit out of or you. Or like Enter the Dragon, but with more people. We have to go yeah. through different stages. Right, right. So the Lordy film has is like that, except it's with these monsters. So these people that are going into this building, every time they get to a new floor of this building, it's another 
member of Lordy that comes out and tries to, like, so they have to fight these members of Lordy. Um, and they get to the final, you know, the final one who's the lead singer. Um, but probably one of the cooler horror films for like a themed type of thing. I would like watch that. that cause like, I, I loved the band. I thought they had some great songs. I got to interview them once and it was funny cause I went on the bus and Lordy had the outfit around like from the waist down, but up cause he had just finished the, the set. He was shirtless, so he's not in good shape, and he had some makeup on. It was like a very weird-looking scene. It looked like <laughs> half like being eaten by a monster or something. He was trying to still or, or reverting back to human form. It was a really funny thing to see. That's funny. Um, would you consider Rammstein a horror? A, yeah, for a sure. They're, they're, although they've gotten more porn horror later in life, like they've <laughs> really been bringing in the porn. You know, that's like a big part of their. Uh, that song Pussy and that a few other songs over, over the years that were very sexual. But boy, they are, first of all, they're awesome. But um, yeah, they definitely have moved into that genre for sure. I think Till by himself has moved into the horror genre, especially because that uh, the, the side group that he did with, uh, with What's-His-Face from Pain, mm-hmm. um, when it was just called Lindemann. The side project was just called Lindemann. But I don't know, Ryan Graham, have you guys ever seen the video for the song Praise Abort? No. No. It is horrifying. Like, it. have you seen it, Ralph? No. Okay, <laughs> so the song itself is dope. The song is very cool, and the video is awesome. But if you don't know what you're walking into with the video, it's like, it is one of the goriest videos that I've seen in a long time, but not even just, like, blood specifically. Like, there's definitely blood, guts, stuff like that. But Till is also wearing like a half pig suit. He's like, he's breastfeeding like these half pig, half human hybrid things. Like it's one of the gnarliest videos I've ever seen, but full blown horror. Like it was I think the full, also the full switch. Because Rammstein sings in German and I'm Jewish, I immediately get scared of anything they're saying. Number one. <laughs> number two, uh, Richard, Richard, the guitarist, put out a band called Emigrate that was pretty good. Not horror-based at all. But one Love that them. I think you guys would enjoy, if you haven't seen it, is the old drummer from Five Finger Death Punch, Jeremy Spencer, put out an album that's very like tongue-in-cheek horror, and it's sexual and funny. It's called Psychosexual, and it's really fun you know, over the top uh, videos of like horror, campy and catchy lyrics. Sure. We actually have, uh, we actually have him in the lineup at some point soon. So, oh yeah. He's, uh, he's yeah, a cool he, dude. Yeah. He's I'm actually cool dude. excited about it. Um, I want to just break from just, just, just as somebody who has worked in terrestrial radio and now with digital radio and, and these things, are you seeing like, um, more ability to promote things like like random bands like like, like well i think that, first of all i think rock is never coming back right as much as right. we don't like to think it's going to go mainstream it will never be it'll never be what it was when i was growing up just because like i'm sure there were these guys in big band you know glenn miller was saying someone hey, this is never going out of style because right. look how big it is and then eventually it does so there's still people that love big band music but it's never going to be topping the chart so rock had an incredible run, but it'll still sell. Like I, for years, hosted this thing called Ship Rock that's six, 7,000 people on a boat and 20 bands. And, you know, Sirius XM does a lot of, like, promoting of new, new rock and stuff. But, A, you have to promote in 100 places now instead of one or two. Used to be if you got your video on MTV and your song played on some big rock or metal station, you were good. 
that ain't going to cut it anymore. You're going to have to do podcasts. You have to do YouTube shows. And you're going to lucky if you carve out a small audience. But rock will never be mainstream again. But it could still be big. It's just not going to be what it was. That's just a fact of life. It, it's not, that's not changing. Everybody, it's amazing is now that I've been, I did rock radio for 20 years almost and then do, doing the show now for six or seven. The amount of times I've heard the phrase, this is the band that's going to bring rock back, it's hilarious. You know, going back to Buck Cherry, Silvertide, Greta Van Fleet. I mean, it's over and over again, there's a band that's going to bring rock back and it's, it's just not going to happen. But it will do well. It's just never going to be, you're not going to turn on Z100 and hear Greta Van Fleet. It's never going to happen. And, and, and do you think that's, and that's mostly now because, <laughs> because there's less of like a uh, gatekeeping people deciding what gets played and whatnot. Would you say since we're now like have an opportunity to like listen to more nuanced things that we like, well, I still believe there, by the way, I still believe they're gatekeepers because if you have a shit ton of money, you can make anything happen. You know, you can right, bring exactly. anything a hit, you know, their, their stories of podcasts or of, of bands or, or, or singers that put millions of dollars into promotion. You hear something enough times it'll become a hit as long as it's right. not terrible, right. you know, so that's, that's number one. But number two, which is interesting to me about rock is that when I was a kid, kid, like early 80s rock, it was the in the know stuff. Like you looked for the girl that was sketching Motley Crue logos in her loose leaf or the guy that scribbled and came to, to work with like a Metallica patch on his arm. It's like, oh, shit, you're, you're, you and I are the same. Like we could start talking about music. Now it's back to that. Rock is not mainstream anymore. You know, rock right. is back to you have to seek out the people that are equally passionate about it as you as opposed to a, I don't know, 20 year run or 15 year run where it was so mainstream, you know, from like 85 to maybe 2000, where rock was just omnipresent, you know, and it was everybody liked rock and now you got to seek it out. That's all. And that's not bad. You know, it just, it means that, uh, you got to work a little harder to find the band that you like. I, um, I have a stand up comic about uh, the song taking care of business. Mm -hmm. um, because he says taking care of business every day, taking care of business every way. And I have to believe that a professional songwriter could not write that and think that that was actually a good song. Um, but um, <laughs> I, I, um, I just I just don't believe that that's an, or how we like it. So like there's been this thing, though, that if, like you're saying, like if you just play it over and over again, because I don't know anybody who likes that song. I don't know anybody who would be like, you know what, go throw on taking care of business. But you hear it all the time and so i just you know i just um i feel like getting out of that and like and it's kind of sad because i think we romanticized that era but like you're saying like when it got all mainstream we did lose some some quality because yeah, you were, now you're now the people that are in rock bands are doing it for the love of the music not right. because they know they're going to have a huge hit on the radio but it's funny i have this theory and it's not necessarily a theory it's pretty true that a lot of the pop stuff and mainstream stuff they're written by these companies that write hits. You know, there are right. these like this thing called the hit, the hit machine or the hit factory, whatever. Mm -hmm. And they write it. And the, and the best example I gave was like in I think it was like five or six years ago, maybe a little longer now. But there were songs that like there was moves like Jagger, and then Kesha had that song, uh, something like moves like Mick Jagger or something. That was a line in the song, right? And uh, <laughs> no eighteen-year-old girl is fantasizing about an eighty-year-old Mick Jagger. No one's <laughs> never done that, you know. So they're not, they would say, you know, about maybe Justin Timberlake, they're not writing about Mick Jagger. It made no right. sense. And then also there's like in the early 2000s, there were these songs about put your lighters in the air. It's like, who's putting lighters in the air? It's fucking <laughs> cell phones. But it's these 60, 70 year old guys that are writing these songs 
So they don't even think it's out of touch. They don't realize it's out of touch because nobody holds up a lighter since 1985 or 1990. And and there was one called waiting at a phone booth. Who's waiting at a phone booth? <laughs> there are no. Talking about? They um, don't exist. They're gone. You need to hear. You need to hear lyrics like "I need lots of likes" or yeah, yeah. <laughs> You should put content, that on the gram. Content, content. Yeah. Put that on the gram is a good hit right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Desmond Child, he wrote, um, boy, he wrote like, he wrote everything from like uh, most of uh, Bon Jovi's Slippery When Wet, yeah. New Jersey record. He wrote tons of Alice Cooper songs. He wrote um, uh, Dude Looks Like a Lady and a ton of those Aerosmith songs. He also wrote like Living La Vida Loca and the Thong yeah, he, song. He's a, he's a real hit maker. That yeah, he's, yeah. Like, I mean, that is, that is like tons of like Bonnie Raitt music. I mean, that's like, I just don't know how you get it. Like, like whatever. We're all good at whatever. Like but, we like, had, Lynn, I don't know if you know, remember the band Four Non Blondes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And What's Up? Yeah. Yeah. Linda Perry was on my show. She was the singer of that band. Awesome. She wrote so many fucking hits yeah. that people don't realize. She's in the Songwriter Hall of Fame. She wrote hits for Pink, for uh, Gwen Stefani, for Adele, for, I mean, just a whole, like so many songs that were number one single. Beyonce, like crazy that she wrote all those fucking songs. It's crazy how she became so talented. Yeah, there's just like somebody who just has that formula like in their brain and can do. I mean, honestly, like Jay Z is kind of like that. I mean, Jay Z can really write a um, can really just write a hit, just write a song that like a lot of people like that comes across as like genuine hip hop, but also um, is has you know for the masses. It's uh, Nikki Six is another one. Nikki Six wrote hits for himself. He wrote hits for Saliva. He wrote a song for the Backstreet Boys. He wrote a song for Celine Dion. He's a guy that just writes songs. You know, there are people that just do that. It's amazing. And the only probably guy who's the more famous bass player than the guitar player. I mean, Mick Mars is a musical <laughs> yeah. genius, but Nicky Sixth. I would, I would say Getty Lee is the more famous bass player right. than That's, the guitar player as well. Sure. That's a, absolutely. Um, but like, I think that most people probably think that Nicky Six is the guitar player. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, sure. he's just because, <laughs> yeah. because he was. Uh, he, I, like he might as well be. He he takes and I think up. It was in 2004. I think it was when the band got back together to do their reunion. They were, they did they did a, a press conference in L.A. and I was fortunate enough they flew me out to be a part of it. Right, and I'm there and it was a standard press conference. The four of them are on a table and they're taking questions from the audience. And I'm noticing everyone's asking obviously Tommy Lee a shit ton of questions. Vince Neil probably second or th and 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 Nikki third or or about the same. No one's asking Mick any fucking questions, right? <laughs> and I'm getting annoyed because I fucking love the band. So I take sure. the microphone and I, I say, I got a question. I say, Mick Mars had just had hip surgery. I said, are you going to be good for a 20-date tour? And he stood up off the table and goes, I'm going to kick everyone's fucking ass. And the whole place <laughs> cheered. And that was the clip that they used in every fucking press conference. Like you saw that everywhere after that. So I was so happy to get that. Yeah, awesome. for sure, for sure. Um, and he really was like the the heart and soul of oh, that. Yeah, yeah. You know that what sound, I mean? Like, that tone, yeah. that, that vibe. Exactly. Him, for sure. Exactly. He's putting that, out his solo record finally, I think. It took him 25 years, oh, but shit. his solo record is coming out, I think, this year. That's uh oh, cool. that's uh um, what did you think, Ralph? What did you think of the dirt? I mean the, the book or the TV show? Well, the, the TV show, the movie. I yeah. didn't so what I felt their mistake was, first of all, I've never seen a movie about music contained so few songs. It was barely had any music in it, right? And they glossed over so much. Like, oh yeah, then we wrote the biggest album of our career. And then like, what? Like, give me something. Yeah. Nothing about that. Talking about how, you know, when Girls, Girls, Girls came out, if that song didn't chart, 
that band would have broke up. That was really the only hit on that record. You know, like all these things. I think what they should have done is made it a five-part miniseries instead of a movie and give some of those stories chances to breathe. That was the mistake of that. They forced it into a movie. Yeah, (laughs) The book's insane. But that movie, it felt like they just forced it into that time frame. I thought Machine Gun Kelly did a great job as Tommy Lee. You know, I thought it was, uh, you know, it was good. It was enjoyable because I love uh, Motley so much. But I think they made a mistake in how they presented the material. Yeah, I agree. I think I think uh, I think biopics run into that problem all the time though. Depends. Like, I love the Queen one. I thought the Queen one was phenomenal. The Queen one, the Queen one was good. Um, I didn't like you know, the Elton John one. Um, I didn't like the Elton John too. I like the actor who plays him. I can't remember yeah. his name, but I like he does a good job. Um, um, and everybody loves Straight Outta Compton. I was like maybe because I lived through it and I because like, you were you were in NWA for a little bit. Yeah, because I was yeah, <laughs> clearly in NWA, but like. Because I was a fan of theirs when that stuff was going on, like the the inad- the the inaccuracies were like they just haven't been like it hasn't been long enough to you know what I mean to right. um, to do to do that. But uh, but you know it was it, it was okay. It's just like, always like um, I think the only one that's good is the one that's completely inaccurate, which is the series on the Wu Tang Clan. Um, I, I think they they've done a great job with that. I, I like uh, the the. The disciplines of disciples. What was that called? The the one that they did with Dr. Dre and uh, and J- Jimmy Iovine. Oh my God! Come on, Ralph. My brain is definitely has COVID brain. Uh, Dr. Dre, Jimmy Iovine. What was it called? Was this a documentary? It was a doc- the, the Defiant Ones. Okay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. What did I call it? The the, the awesome ones. I don't know. It was close, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was great. I think that's a really great doc. But that's not a biopic. Ray was a good biopic, you know. Sure. Um, it was. Pop Star was a great fake biopic. If you never saw it, it's fucking. Pop Star is so good. <laughs> yeah, it's funny as hell. <laughs> yeah, great know, one. We uh we just talked to uh Jason Lee Howden who did mm-hmm. the movie Deathgasm, which oh, is uh-huh. a New Zealand heavy metal horror film. But like, I think the horror genre just it can't get music right. And like it, it's so hard for the I don't know why it is that the horror genre can't pull it off, but it's it it's can. kind of it's rare, <laughs> super rare, yeah. yeah. But like Death Deathgasm was great, Ralph. If you haven't seen Deathgasm, like it would probably be right down your alley because it's I'll like super it fun. It's super fun and like splattery and stuff, like it's a splatter movie. But it's the heavy metal aspects of it are great. Um, I think the like, Murder the, Dolls is a good example of fun horror music. I like the Murder Dolls. Yeah, I love the Murder Dolls. Yeah, they're great. I like when, I mean, when a band can lean into it, like the Murder Dolls, uh, Wednesday 13, like you mentioned them. I love Wednesday 13. Um, I think they're fucking phenomenal. And that was also one of the reasons that I liked Misfits so much um, when I started listening to them early on, because it wasn't just like the bandits. It wasn't just, you know, the theme face. It wasn't just Mm -hmm. that. Like they fully did their thing. I mean, Doyle, fuck, Doyle still looks exactly the same as he does. Exactly the same. I give him credit. He's and he's huge. Like I didn't, I didn't know how big that motherfucker actually was. He's giant. Yeah, I was trying to get him on the show when Misfits played uh, MSG, but it didn't happen. Uh, I saw that show; it was really good. Um, I have a question. This is not just off topic a little bit, but I saw that you had uh, Three Eleven on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are those guys? Because I so you love. Know what's, I get yelled at by every single one of my friends, including so what's me. Funny is this: is <laughs> that um, 
I look, I like some of their music. I, I think it's good. I don't think I don't ever turn on a 311 album, but I, you know, there are songs that I did enjoy. And I think there's something to be said for a band that has accomplished what they accomplished. I made fun of them that it took them 10 years to realize that 311 was also a date and they started doing a festival around yeah. that date. It took them way too long to figure that out. Like one day, like, wait a minute, March 11th, let's do something. Like they did whatever. But anyway, what happened, which happens once in a while, and it's very funny to me, and I actually made a game of it this week, I mean that episode, Jay is a very unique brand of humor. He's a little crass. He's a little, uh, I don't want to say confrontational, but like he will attack the obvious, but in a very funny way. Yeah. And uh, they did not find it funny, right? Oh. So they made, I made this joke on the show. I did a, the, the cold open. I said, if you can figure out the first 10 people that figures out when Jay punched out of the show, I'll give you a free SDR t-shirt. <laughs> and the over, I mean, I got like fucking 300 replies of people that realized it immediately because he made a joke uh, about fingering a girl, right? Or doing something with a girl. And he goes, Oh, the fingering thing again. Like he just like totally like <laughs> downplayed it. And I just saw Jay's eyes glaze over. He goes, all right, I'm, I think he said three words after that. Like, Jay. so I feel like they take themselves a little for a band that's based around, uh, marijuana yeah. skating and just like casual li party lifestyle. They take themselves a little too seriously, you know, but, um, gotcha. it was, I, it was a fine interview, you know, but I would say that, like when we had Weedus on as a great example of a guy that just rolled with it and had a fucking blast on the show, they sure. just took themselves a little too high and mighty, a little too serious, and it just it wasn't as fun as I would have liked it to be. Right. So, they're, 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 like, they're like for people who think Sublime is a little too harsh. You know what I mean? Like they're, like they're, <laughs> it's like they're kind of their deal. But even like, so, like I don't, you don't have to love the music to still do a good interview. You know, like right. I can name three Weedus songs. That's it, you know, but... Right. I still loved the interview. And I, I think that sometimes the worst thing that could happen is you interview someone you're super excited about and they end up being shitty. 311, I, like, I do eight hours of research, if not more, for every band that comes on or every artist that comes in. I want to really know that person so that we get a vibe and we feel... I also want, I want that guest to feel like, oh, this guy put in work for this. Like This is not just let me promote my shit and move on. And I think 99% of the time that works to our advantage because they feel more at ease but sometimes they just don't want to play along i don't know what are you gonna do you know jay it'll bother jay but as a guy that all i do for uh in my downtime is i hit on girls on instagram and never hear anything back like i'm very used to rejection and very used to you know people being shitty to me so it doesn't bother me as much i think as it bothered him so i have to i have to mention this because uh, we're talking about this now. I am, and also because I am a fan of Judas Priest, and I am a fan of Skid Row, oh and I am a fan of uh, of Big J, and uh, talk about Jay putting his foot in his mouth. Um, <laughs> this story is really funny. Um, it was great for us. Is it like doubled our numbers on the show? So many people were talking about it. It was crazy because I purposefully set it up so that it would be the thing to talk about on the rock websites for that week. Sure. So for you guys that have not heard the story, I'm going to have Ralph tell it, but it's uh, yeah. Ralph, you tell the story. This is, well, this I'll is start. Funny. Let me do the preface. We're getting Sebastian Bach on the show. I had interviewed him a few times over the years and I would say, no, I don't like to use the word friends, but we were acquaintances. We're friends on Facebook. We DM each other once in a blue moon, but I knew him. And he is very much Sebastian Bach. You know, he is who he is. You know, there's 
you'll hear stories about him all the time that he blows up at people and whatever. Like one time, I don't know, 25 years ago, I was doing, we were backstage and my co-host who was a girl asked him, which is a, for her, you're an idiot to ask. It's Skid Row and Guns N' Roses, right? Remember when that was that tour? Sorry, Sebastian yeah. Bach and Guns N' Roses. All right. Okay. And Sebastian's off stage, and now we're watching Guns, and she says to him, hey, have you listened to the new Skid Row? Like, why the fuck would you ask him that? <laughs> it's a dumb thing, right? But the right response would be like, I just don't ask me that question. I don't want to answer that question. Why yes, I'm trying to enjoy Guns N' Roses. Leave me the fuck alone. Instead, he gets security to throw her out, right? And that's just who he is, you know? And... I would say up until this moment, we had a casual acquaintanceship, right? It's the best way I would put it. If I saw him in a bar or a club and I said, what's up, Sebastian? He'd say, what's up to me? And that would be it. If, not that it ever happened, but that's what would happen, right? Sure. So knowing that, I said to our producer before we went on the air, this will not make a full hour. Something's going to happen that <laughs> Sebastian will punch out. Something. I thought for sure there's a there's a episode when we had the other the actual you know the band that is skid row now which is dave sabo and rachel bolin and uh a new singer we're in the studio and we sang i remember you on the air where they play guitar you know and, and we sang and i can't sing and neither can jay jay can sing better than i but we gave it was an abortion of a sing-along right <laughs> and we were going to show it to sebastian at one point and in my head is that's when he's going to bail he's not going to watch that and realize that we're honoring the music He's going to think we're making fun of the music, right? But anyway, 10 minutes into the show, he says, I ask him, because I read this online. I mean, he still sounds incredible to me. He's still, for the guy that is aging, he can still hit all the notes. He still sounds great. So I said to him, what do you do to be able to sing at this point in your life when you are older, where none of your contemporaries that came up with you can still hit those notes, but you can, right? And he said, I, my whole life, I took it very seriously. I do warm-ups. It's, it's an instrument just like anything else, blah, 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 all that stuff, right? He says, but the only guy I know that doesn't do warm-up is, is uh, Rob Halford, the metal god. But maybe he just tells me that because it's a good mystique for the metal god that he still has a great voice and doesn't do warm-up. That's what he said, right? Jay's throwaway joke was, well, maybe it's something gay like gargling jizz and he just doesn't want to tell you. <laughs> right which is funny not great whatever it's funny you know it's a funny joke and it should be like yeah maybe and move on but instead he goes don't talk about my friend rob halford that way he's like i'm just joking i think he's a genius is what jay says and they're just being silly because no no that's that's not right you shouldn't do that we try to change the topic he apologized we're trying to change the topic and then it was so funny i mean we're not this is not video but you watch him do this where you see him trying to figure out how to turn off the camera and he unplugs the camera and then he's just connected for like another two or three minutes because he doesn't know how to hit leave meeting <laughs> and we're like hey sebastian are you still there and he's like i can hear you loud and clear man but he doesn't like want to be on the on the show and eventually just disconnects right that's it he disconnects right and then we spend the next 40 minutes just talking about what just happened and we released it as an episode Fortunately, I kind of know Rob Halford. So I said, I know Rob Halford will not be upset by this joke. I know he will find it funny. Him and I talked about dating at one point. Like we, we've been, he rolls with it. He's totally comfortable being a gay man. No problem with it. So we bring Rob Halford on the following week. 
literally the next show. And I make Jay tell the story and the joke to Rob, and you can visibly see Jay sweating. Right? But he, he's never met Rob before, but I assured him he's not going to get upset by this. Right? So we tell him the story, and he goes, well, two things. Is Rob says straight face, two things. Number one, I just had an interview. I just had a, a, a video call with Sebastian a week ago, and we had the same thing. He couldn't figure out how to get out of the Zoom. He was yelling at his kids to figure out how to turn it off. He's definitely, you know, it was in the height of COVID. He's definitely more stressed than usual. That's what he said. But number two, more importantly, I don't spit, I swallow. I don't gargle, I swallow, right? And then he's like totally fine with it. And now he asked us on air, and I've been working on it behind the scenes, to put on a metal god roast. He wants us to roast him, like a real, get real comics and other you know, musical contemporaries to roast him and film it for a, a special. And we're... We were going to try and do it once the world reopens, but now who the fuck knows when that is with, with what's happening right now. But hopefully next year we'll do like a, a, a pay-per-view special with a Metal God Roast. Beautiful. But boy, did we get a shit ton of you homophobic assholes. And by the way, the reason why that's so stupid is that he didn't say anything that gay guys do. Gay guys put penises in their mouth. He's not making up something. If I said to a straight guy, what do you fuck a lot of chicks before you go on air? Who's going to get mad at that? So why are you mad at that? We didn't make up something like, oh, you're gay. You probably, you know, kill penguins. I don't know what the fuck you make up something like that's not what he said. What gay guys do? You know, it's so stupid that he got mad about it. I also love that Big J's throwaway cum joke is going to turn into the roast of Rob Halford. I think that's amazing. <laughs> what a good end to that story. That's so yeah. fantastic. And then I was going to send the clip of Halford laughing at it to Sebastian, but I'm like, whatever. He's not going to be like, oh, I guess I was wrong. It's not going to happen. You know, so I just think he overreacted. And the, the truth is, I would welcome Sebastian back in a heartbeat if he would just, you know, you know what? I overreacted. Let's come back on. I'll do the, I'll do the show again. That would be cool as shit, but he's not that guy. And that's just what it is. That's totally fair. It, Sebastian, like I love Skid Row, but like, and like Sebastian himself, I absolutely love him. Did you ever see him, uh, his, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Yeah, I was there opening week. He invited me, which was great. I mean, he was, uh, I got to see that opening week in New York city. Um, he is one of the best front men of all time. He's an incredible voice, great skid row, and even his solo records, all really good. But, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, there are a few people in this world that hate you. What are you going to do? You know, that's sure, what, it is what it is. Slaves of the Grind is such an incredible album. Great record. Yeah, first metal album to debut at number one, I believe. Yep. Um, and also, I think that we have to uh, remind Mr. Bach um, that there was a time period where he wore a T-shirt, if anybody else remembers. A lot of people that. say that, but I think that he might be self-overcorrecting for that. That might yeah, be sure. why he jumped down our throats for it, you know, as I think that he was trying to overcorrect for that. And you know what? Hey, man, like, defend your friends. I get it. Like, if you thought something was cool, defend your friends. But uh, getting off, in my opinion, getting off the air, because, like, if you offended uh, my friends, like, if you offended uh, a Jonas here, um, for the, let's, let's say, let, let's say for sake of argument, I'd stay and I'd make you, I'd make you suffer for it. You know right. what I but mean? But also, I'd, by the <laughs> way, like, the, the easiest thing to do, like, we have done that, had a couple of times where shows, you say something that someone doesn't agree with, right? And the, the right way to handle it is to say, you know what? I really don't want to talk about that. Can we just move on? And then right. if I yeah. keep pressing, then I'm the asshole. 
there's no way to know. Like, let's say I made a, a joke about your mom, right? Right, right. And your mom just died a day ago, right? Right. I don't fucking know that. So unless, if I knew that, I'm like, oh, man, his mother died. Wait till I drop this mom dead joke. Then I'm an <laughs> asshole. But if I don't know, just say, you know, I, I don't really want to talk about that. And then if I keep going, I'm the asshole. That's fine. Right. But yeah. No way to know that he would get so upset about a throwaway <laughs> dumb joke where the right answer would be like, yeah, whatever. If you don't, don't, if he would say, don't fucking besmirch the metal God, that could have just been it. And he's like, yeah, you're right. And we move on. End of story. He should hear yeah. what he should hear what comedians, what we really have in our heads. Yeah. Like, right. the, like, oh, the, yeah. like the jokes that we really have. Like, like when somebody's trying to explain something serious to me, and like if they could peek behind my eyes and see right. the ever the like the tags that I have for every joke that they have. I just that. like the idea that I think Sebastian Bach knows the word besmirch. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it was. I think it might have been Brian Usna that we had when we had him on. I think it was because we were talking about American Werewolf in London, and we mentioned the dead kid thing. Mm -hmm. And like that was it, he straight up was just like oh well that's not funny and then like we just moved right along it was just like fair enough like it was that it's that's kind of a thing like if somebody says something and that whole thing pops up it's very easy to pick up that tone yeah just move on and then thing. and then like, cool you know yeah, it's weird it's weird when people get like it's a different like I've seen it happen a couple of times with bands that I like like Motley Crue did it once the Bee Gees did it once where it was obvious that the person interviewing them knows nothing about them and they're right. just there to f get ratings and fill time and i can understand something yeah you know what? i just don't want to do this i get that more than i get oh you're having an actual interview and one thing for whatever fucking reason upsets you and you walk off you know it's weird unless it's like intentional like i saw that one with uh which i love this clip if you've never seen it where the guy says to mike tyson do you think that uh people are gonna look at you differently now that you're a convicted rape rapist or something like that and he goes, you're a real fucking piece of shit. And like, you think Tyson's <laughs> going to kill him? Because why the fuck would you say it? Like, there's ways to bring that. And it was right at the top of the interview, too. Like, whenever I have a sensitive topic that I want to bring up, you bury it towards the end to see <laughs> how the guy, like, when maybe you won't even get to it if you're like, oh, this guy's not going to find this funny. Like, we had uh, Eric Griffin on, who's a very, from Workaholics, a very funny yeah, yeah. comic, right? Yeah, he's great. And when I agreed to do it, I thought it was Eddie Griffin. Right. And I was like, oh, God, I fucking love this guy. Right. I love Eddie Griffin. Fucking Deuce Bigelow is one of my favorite fucking two movies. Like, I'm so excited. And the day before, when I'm about to do my research, I'm like, oh, fuck, Eric Griffin? Who the fuck is that? Like, and I look at him I'm like, oh, I know who this is. But I, like, once I realized I was, all right, I, I can st I'll still do the interview. But it's funny to me that I was thrilled the whole week. I'm like, oh, and then he, I was going to, you don't open with that story because he'd be like, fuck you. I'm not coming on the show then. You know what I mean? But <laughs> said it at the end of the show. And he said, it's so funny you should say that because literally last weekend I went to do a gig in, in wherever the fuck and the guy's holding up a sign that said E. Griffin. And when I came up and said, I'm, I'm Eric Griffin, I had to listen to the next 40 minutes this limo driver pissed off because he thought he was going to get to meet Eddie Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's great. Um, Ralph, uh, tell me, like, we're going to transition straight into just some straight up horror talk here. Um, what's your favorite horror movie? So it's funny. I made a list of a few, right? I'm not. Okay. So one of the, the biggest faults of me, I'm not, not a superlatives person. I don't have a favorite band, a favorite color, a favorite food. I don't pick a favorite. And it, depending on the time, it could change, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a couple for different reasons. We'll start with, 
you mentioned it a few minutes ago, American Wealth in London. Um, I saw it, I think I was 11. I went to go see it in the theaters with my dad. It scared the shit out of me because I was probably five years too young to see it, but there was tits in the movie. I mean, I fucking loved it, but I was scared <laughs> shitless in that movie. I mean, I had nightmares for weeks after that, but that movie is one that really speaks to me. The other one for sure is Nightmare on Elm Street, one in three. Three yep. is Dream Warriors. One, yeah. the first one, obviously. Second one sucks. Fourth one sucks. But the reason that that really speaks to me, which is a ridiculous story, I was a nightclub promoter here in New York, and um, three was a huge one. You know, Dreamland, Dream Warriors, huge. Dawkins song sure. is in there, whatever. So there was a lot of hype around four before it came out, right? And I think if I had to guess, the year it was about 1989 when it came out. I could be wrong on the year, but roughly 88, 89, something like that. I was working at a nightclub called Palladium and they were doing the movie release party at the Palladium and uh, Freddie, what's his real name? Uh, Robert uh, England was England, there. Yeah. Grandpa from the Munsters was there and they were doing this big release party for the for, uh, for uh, Freddie four, right? El Elm Street four. And what's ridiculous is they asked me, my brother and two other friends of ours to come up with, what they called, they needed to do a dance for Freddy Krueger. And they put us in Freddy uh, gloves and Freddy masks. And we came up with a stupid dance called the Freddy Slash, which was like, it was the day of, you know? And we were doing it, and we were on national television dancing around Robert England and Grandpa from the Munsters doing the Freddy Slash dance. So forever, that movie's going to be, uh, have a special place in my heart. They really made you do fucking thriller. <laughs> we, know, we made our own little dance. Like we did it like a slash. It was ridiculous, but whatever. And then um, I would say this is a horror film. Aliens is an incredible movie. I think yep. it does fall into horror. You know, yep. Jaws yep. in Space was uh, the first one, but Aliens yep. is one of the few times I think the sequel lived up to the hype, if not better than the original one way or the other. One that's a comedy horror vampire thing that I loved was What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, the yeah. guy that such a great movie. Um, and now he's a superstar, obviously. You know, he went on to do Thor Ragnarok and whatnot. Yeah. And then Let the Right One In is a great one. I love that pacing of that movie. Thought it was incredible. I watched that a couple times. Thought it was fantastic. Those are all great. Yeah, yeah. I have to, okay, I have to mention this now. Because when I, when I talked to you about this, Ralph, you said you weren't an aficionado of horror. But, dude, those are some good Those are all games. bangers. Yeah. yeah. Well, I still Those don't know, I don't consider myself a real aficionado, but you know, no, I think no. I, well, yeah. well, let's jump into the questions real quick then. Is that yeah, cool? Sinister, Sinister Six, we can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is yeah. that. You asked me the last one I watched. Is that part of the six or is that something else? It's something. No, no, I want to know that. I want to know what the last ones you watched were. What yeah, most recent ones? So the, the one I just watched that I thought it's funny because I went in knowing nothing about it at all. So I think it's better to see it knowing nothing, so I'm going to ruin it for everyone if you haven't seen it yet, was Blood Red Sky. Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, yeah. I've seen it. I, I, I love it. It's one of my... Yeah, I thought my... it was great because I went in not knowing what kind of movie am I watching, and that right turn, it, it takes a 180. Forget about mm -hmm. a right turn. It takes a fucking 180 midway through the movie, and I was like, holy shit, what the fuck is going on? And I thought that for what it was, it did it great. Yeah, and what it's you like think, even it, dawn, even, but in the air, right? Yeah. Even and what serious. you, even seeing the trailer, which got me excited about it, it's still real different than you think it's gonna be. Like it is, like 
it does not play. It, that, and that's what I like about that movie is it was not scared to be like legit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it was great. Happened. I thought it was so well done. And uh, I saw a quiet place too. It's fine. You know I mean? It's I don't know if I can like the first one too much either. It's fine. Uh, I'm looking, I love, I love don't breathe. And I'm looking forward mm -hmm. to don't breathe too. Yeah. Even though yep. I felt it got a little gross and stupid towards the end, but I think the concept was good. Um, and those are the ones I saw most recently. Have you seen um, Have you seen Overlord? I heard it was great, but I've not seen it. So I think yeah. if you like, because Blood Red Sky is dope. I love that one too. But I think if you like Blood Red Sky, you're probably going to really like Overlord, because it's not even that they're they're not too similar in the sense that like not necessarily the subject matter, but stylistically they feel very similar in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. Um, and also like it's I think Overlord is definitely one of the like darker heavier like horror films that's come out in quite a while um just balls to the wall from beginning to end super super fun yeah i heard that was i heard that was very very good plus it's plus kurt russell's kid i can't remember his first name i'm sorry to him i'm sure he gets tired of hearing that has done has car carved himself out um as just one of the um one of the one of the better actors around now. What is his name? Um, isn't a, isn't uh, Overlord also J.J. Abrams too? Right, which adds some validity yeah. to it. Yeah, I only know uh, yeah. that because I just heard him on a podcast and he talked about that movie. So his name is Wyatt Russell, and he is in um, he's in the that episode of Black Mirror where he's in the video game in his mind. He's uh, on that show Lodge Forty Nine, which is also very good. Um, Speaking yeah. of which, have you seen? There's two shows that I heard that are like Black Mirror called Dimension 404 and Into the Dark. I have, not, oh, yeah. I have not seen either yet, but they are on my show. The one I like a lot is, if you've never seen it, the super interesting is Inside Number 9. Oh, I haven't seen that. No. That is fucking great. So there is, I can't remember, I'll tell you, I wish I could remember them right now. There's two episodes specifically to start with that are phenomenal. I, I can't remember them right now, which ones they are. Uh, I'll tell you one where I could look them up, but I don't want to, you know, waste time Googling shit while we're talking. <laughs> but it is a great series, especially I'm going to have to look one of them up. Hold on. I'm going to tell you which one to start with because it's so it's interesting. It's totally fine. Inside number. Nine. There's an episode. It's called The Quiet Night In. Sure. That's the episode. Let's see if I can see what number it is. It says it here. Uh, season one, episode two. It is fantastic, and it, it's it's a and there's no word spoken in the whole episode. Oh, oh shit! It's great, it's great, I like but that. It, yeah, it's really and it it sets up the series well. But there's there's like they just came up the new ep, new season season five, but it's it's British television, so a season is like five episodes, you know, for whatever sure. reason. But I would say that that had several episodes that I was like, holy shit, that was great. So I recommend Inside Number Nine a lot. If you're looking for an anthology, anthologic series, you know, where it's episodic, you know, where it's not episodic continuing on, they're each, you know, contained within their story. Yeah, I'm into that. Yeah. That also, like, American Horror Stories is also something that's been going on uh, from... I tried. Uh, I know people love it. I fucking tried. I don't know why. It never. I tried on the, the worst season, I think it was. I tried it, and everyone told me, oh, you picked the wrong season, but it just... Uh, Made me hate it so much that I never sat down to watch any more of it. The right. new well, ones a... anthologies. It's it's each episode. It's his own thing. Okay. So yeah. Couple... So the, that's what I was going to say. Is you might actually like that because it's each one of them is what like Graham? Aren't they like forty five minutes? 
something like that. Yeah, they're like 45, 50 minutes. Danny Trejo is a murderous Santa in one. That's pretty good. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, so those ones are all cool because the uh, the um, yeah, that those are all cool. So those you actually might like. I'll check it. But I'm gonna. I really recommend Inside Number Nine. There's at least eight or nine episodes in that series of like maybe twenty or thirty episodes that were fucking great, just great. Dope. Um, the, yeah, the let's, newest, get, let's do the, let's do the let's do the Sinister Six just yeah. so we make sure that we don't keep you too long. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, we just want to make sure we do those. All right. So first one, Freddy or Jason? Definitely Freddy, because I just hey. told you my yeah. you know <laughs> right, exactly. yeah, yeah. Yeah. sure not even a question. Right. That was good. What's the difference between thriller and horror? I would say horror usually involves gore. Thriller involves suspense. All right. I like good. that. That's are there right answers answer. or wrong answers? There's no, no wrong no, answers. No, 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 no. These, are all, these are all opinion. Yeah. Uh, what horror movie influenced your taste the most? Oh, for sure. Uh, America Wealth in London. It scared the shit out of me as a kid. And I think mm-hmm. I tend to love vampire uh werewolf that mythos more i gravitate towards those because it in, embedded in my soul as a kid nice you and uh, ryan are very similar in that you guys yeah yeah that's my that's my movie it's uh it's uh i can watch it anytime anytime it's on i just i even watched every underworld even though they got so stupid i still watched them they're like they're like eating jelly beans for yeah. dinner you know what it's I mean? Just, like it, yeah. it's like it's like delicious. I even know, watched like, like the the idiot like any one of those shows that there was a great show. Oh, Penny Penny Dreadful was good. Yeah, if you never saw super, that, oh, that's so good. Yeah, yeah it was really good. Absolutely. Okay. Um, all right. If you could erase any movie from existence, what would it be? Uh, every Nightmare on Elm Street after three. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> there you go. Wow. All right. Yeah. Wait, did you ever see the new Nightmare? West Craven's yeah, new Nightmare? It wasn't very good. I, the, uh, the, no, there was one that was good where they made it like they were real and they were also going back. That one, is that that one? Yeah, yeah that's, that's that one. the new Nightmare. That one was yeah. enjoyable. That one yeah. was enjoyable. I take it back. So not that one. Keep that one. <laughs> All right. Okay. Are ghosts real? So here's how I'm going to, it's funny because Shannon, who is on our network, she does a show called, uh, she's my producer. She has a show called The Thing Is. And they talk about bad dates, fighting, and ghosts every week, right? <laughs> so very often at the end of my show, if a guest was cool, we asked them, do you believe in ghosts? Because if they say yes, I'm going to try and get them on Shannon's show to help our show get good guests, right? I believe more simply that, A, we don't understand so much of what's going on, right? So that we attribute it to ghosts. Do I think there's some floaty guy right next to me that just can hear me and see me? and I don't see them? No. Is there shit that we don't understand that is freaky? Absolutely. But actual like beings around me? I don't think so. Nice. I like that. It's like, I don't believe like if there's a God that created this entire universe and he's that powerful, multi created everything. And he cares if I eat pork, what a fucking (laughs) asshole. It's so weird. It makes no sense. Like me getting mad that ants aren't honoring me, you know, like why would I get mad at that? Yeah. Has he had pork? <laughs> I mean, have I mean, God, have you tried some, you know, some bacon there, dude? Try, try, I'm, I'm, I, I'm Jewish. I'm not religious at all. But my dad grew up religious, and he was kosher as a kid. Right. And um, when he was like 13 or 14, and he was always religious, his friend made him sneak away to Coney Island, and he had fried shrimp for the first time. And his reaction was, "Why would God create this?" <laughs> 
for me not to enjoy it. It doesn't make sense to me. And that's when he stopped being religious. That's a good reason. That's hilarious. Yeah, fried shrimp did it. All right. And last one, Midsummer or Hereditary? Well, I'll tell you this. I've not seen Midsummer, so I can't mm. answer that. I didn't Fair. love Hereditary, though, so I'm going to guess it's going to be Midsummer. Fair. You know what? Fair. I I have a feeling you're actually going to love Midsummer. Um, yeah, I heard. You know, it's on, on you, my I list think, of I things. Love it. I have like 50 movies and TV shows that I want to watch. I just keep adding to a list, and it's on the list. I just haven't gotten to it, but I didn't love Hereditary. I'll tell you that. Fair. Yeah, Midsummer is probably one of the better horror films that I've seen in the last 10 years, just because of the way that it's done. Um, yeah. And Even also Zach, like, Zach told me I would like it. So I think I would like it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's right up your alley. So um, do we want to do, uh, we want to do some recommendations now. Sure. Yeah. I got a quick one. If yeah. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been listening to it all day. There's a, a band called none more black. Um, they're from Jersey. The album is called This Is Satire, and it's one of my favorite albums. It's, it's, the, it's on Fat Records, and it's punk. The lead singer is from Kid Dynamite, if that helps, the hardcore band. Oh, yeah. Really, really great voice. Um, lots of uh, Seinfeld references, oddly. And, and <laughs> social politics. <That's> weird. <laughs> depression. It's great. It's one of the best albums. So that's my only recommendation this week. Sweet. Ryan, what do you got? You know, uh, I can go a lot of different ways with this. I, um, um, I've been rocking a lot of Meek Mill lately. I could, but I feel like I can rock Meek Mill any day of the week. Um, but there's just sometimes I listen to it, and it's just, uh, it's just so good that I'm just like, and it just, he just brings such like gravity to it. And um, and I really will always suggest um, um, people watch the Free Meek uh, documentary um, because it addresses. Uh, uh, you know, beyond wrongful convictions, I always suggest watching The Innocence Files and things like that. Um, it does see over convictions and so many people on paper and how and how the world works in that situation and how um, the only reason we even know about this is because, you know, I mean, he was uh, famous. But, you know, they, they sent him to jail for six months for uh, doing a wheelie on a motorcycle, um, you know, and, um, you know, and he was on probation and stuff like that. So I always suggest watch the uh, Free Meek uh, documentary because it's really good. And uh um, and he, um, uh, you know, he gets caught up in a lot of like, just uh, like a lot of rappers and stuff like that. But, uh, but if you listen to the Dreams and Nightmares record, particularly the song Dreams and Nightmares, it's uh, um, uh, some of my favorite stuff out there. So I'm going to go Meek Mill. Sweet. Nice. Um, Ralph, what do you got for some recommendations? I'm going to recommend an interesting uh, album. We're going to go back a little bit because I think it fits in with your vibe. Uh, Lizzie Borden, which is a great old school band, put out a record in 2007 that a lot of people did not listen to, and it's called Appointment with Death. And they have songs on there called Live Forever, Bloody Tears that are both fucking great songs, and it fits in with that their genre. If you know Master Disguise, you know, mm -hmm. thinking yeah, yeah. about stuff that would fit within the horror, horror context. So I would say go listen to those two songs, Live Forever and Bloody Tears, from Appointment with Death by Lizzie Borden. You'd be like, oh shit, they were still writing good music up until 10, 13 years ago. They still kept putting out good, good shit. Sure, sure. Love that. Absolutely yep. love that. Um, my recommendations are twofold. I'm going to do a movie um, on Shudder, a movie called Bloodthirsty. Um, I checked it out last night when it dropped. It is a, uh, so it's like a half vampire, half body horror type of movie. Um, just came out. Really, really fun, uh, solid body horror movie. 
Uh, and then music, I'm going to recommend the new Trivium track, uh, which is called Feast of Fire. And that just dropped. Um, and it is, it's got a great video. It's got a really, really, really good sound. Um, Trivium is one of those bands that I, I've listened to for a long time. And, you know, they like, I, I always like their stuff, but it is also kind of very yo-yo up and down like type of thing as far as uh, what they come out with this new track is fantastic though so they announced the new album uh also with that so all about that uh oh, i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you one more i'm sorry one more i just thought of no, please uh, do, please your do. Alley. uh yeah. dd verney who's from overkill put out a really cool like um oh. i don't know what you'd even call it it's like uh punky but it's called uh dd verney and the cadillac band i promise you're gonna dig it it's got like metal swing vibe it's cool as shit okay, Dude, I love, that. love it yeah um awesome. and then last last thing here ralph uh what do you have to plug where can people find you what should they look up uh well follow me everywhere at i am ralph sutton a crazy thing happened is the sdr show just got banned from instagram because the guitarist of def leppard showed his abs on a clip and someone found it offensive so we got shut down we're fighting it right now but you can't find the SDR show on uh, Instagram anymore right now. But uh, follow me over at I am Ralph Sutton. The SDR show comes out twice a week, either on Guest Digital Wednesdays and Saturdays, or if you watch or listen on YouTube or anywhere you consume a podcast, it's Mondays and Thursdays, five days later. And then my other show, The Good Sugar Podcast, comes out every Monday on health and wellness. And uh, that's pretty much everything. So wait, awesome. so, so a 65-year-old English guy showed his abs, like his stomach. Yeah, he's in and, great shape, and someone yeah. found it offensive, and now we don't have an Instagram. Granted, I will say, in their defense, we had gotten flagged once or twice before, right, right. for something that people were offended by. But the third strike was uh, his abs, which is crazy. Wow! Did he have, uh, did he have like did he have like the dick V going on that like he's in phenomenal <laughs> shape? If you yeah. don't know, Phil from uh, Def Leppard is in ridiculous shape. Yeah, wow. he is. Both arms. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, that was terrible. Um, <laughs> Ralph's like, I know these guys. That's not funny. <laughs> Let me cool back I said, like, I'm turning off the camera. Just start like turning that. off. Yeah, fumbling with the camera. Uh, Ralph, thanks so much for joining us. Um, we really appreciate you uh, time. Uh, please go check out uh, Ralph on uh, on all his uh, projects and um, and thanks for tuning in again. Um, we will be back uh, next time with uh, another uh, more horror talk. Um. Go start some fires and break some glass, people. Thank you.